of the dissect podcast we're gonna have a try and have a conversation and and keep the keep it on the rails <laughs> but i doubt it's going to happen uh this is mark i'm in the studio today with michael um stephen kotler is here with us as well Kristen elmer who i believe is going to remain suspiciously silent today it's very rare that i have the not the strongest personality in the room. I have the. I'm fourth. I believe you might be fourth on the hierarchy. Today. Right, but I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm willing to put myself in there from time to time. Excellent. Please um, lead, sort of with your forehead as usual, if you would. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? So that, that was me not saying lead with your face. Oh, you have this tendency sometimes to just like dive headfirst. I and do. I do have. I do have yeah. to say when I first met Kristen, which was years ago in Chamonix. Years and years and years ago, I was there with the Deloriers and the Egans. So, right, rowdy ski posse, oh my God. pro yes. pro extreme athletes, first generation. And I didn't know Kristen. And she was there, and I was like, "Who's that woman you were just talking to?" They were like, "That's Kristen. She's scary." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, if the okay. four rowdiest guys on the planet Earth are scared of her, I was just terrified." Wait, are you guys scared of me? No. Young lady. Is this the part where you, I have to admit some to fear? Be. And, and used why? To be. why? Okay, I, I like Please, the thought of being scary. When <laughs> I got introduced to those guys afterwards by her, mm-hmm. we had already met. <laughs> yes, Mark and I have a long history <laughs> of being freight trains that <clears throat> crashed into each other back in... When was that? A di- uh, a 90s. Different, a different lifetime. Yes. We'll just call it that. Mm. Um, All right, let's get started. Enough about me. What about you guys? <laughs> so th- this is, it's, it's rare that somebody can come in to the what we call the waiting room um, with a D, waiting. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or waiting, uh, uh, and where we just wait for inspiration. Or waiting, where heavy shit gets talked about. It's rare that somebody can come back there and out-tangent me, and it seems within like three seconds you were talking about integrated information theory, which very few people are interested in and and that like sparked my interest immediately we have so many topics that we could go into um that you've covered your 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 books are numerous we'll let people look those up and and they can find out what the fuck you've been doing for the past 20 years and same with kristen your experience as an athlete and as a writer and 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 coaching people is extreme so i kind of want to like throw this in the air and see where we land and i i think steven i'll let you kick us off on let's let you you said you guide. wanted to ask the first yeah. question yeah. so <laughs> and now <laughs> and now on the rim spot, job rim job, rim job. <laughs> is that the safety word i think that no it's, apples is my yeah. safe word okay. okay let me confirm none of these people are stoned <laughs> <laughs> not yet at least yeah, yeah, right there's still time it's early it, i was <laughs> i didn't want to fall asleep in case you were noon, wondering so I, yeah. I was gonna say speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> But we're uh, willing to learn. Will you send us someplace special? I was, yeah, I was just gonna. I wasn't gonna admit this, but you know, this is this has been a week of microdosing. Really? Really? Yeah. So do you like it? It works for you. Oh yeah, yeah. When I was not um, 
So there was a, a period of time. I, I was away on <laughs> two movie jobs back to back. So I was in London for 14 months and and hating where I was. Well, it's London. Microdosing makes a hell of a lot of oh, sense in London. Exactly. <laughs> I'm totally with you there. Well, I was living in a farm <laughs> like outside of London, like a place that had no internet <clears throat> to it, essentially. Um, it's, so it's but, LSD or the internet. It's either or. I want more. I need, I it's more plant-friendly. <laughs> okay. Than, uh, um, yeah, more psilocybin than, 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 than LSD. But, um, and, I'd, and I'd read a little bit about it, and I was not in a good place. And it was either, okay, the, the choice, the, the road to go down is Stoli, which... You know where that goes. I know where that goes. Right. And that's not, a, that's not cool at... Um, 10 to 6 in the morning. <laughs> not sustainable. Not, not sustainable. sustainable. Exactly. It's okay. Only because like I have to drive to my work. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, but it was only 10 minutes. If it was 10 to 7, it, you know, it's a different story. But a 10 to 6, Stoli is unsustainable. I'm totally with you. <laughs> and I had read a little bit about it, and I just thought, well, I, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's try this. And so, you know, I read sort of eighth of a gram once every three days, and I was like, it sounds like an eighth once, once every day would be... You know, because if a little is good, <laughs> we know what comes next, and it and it honestly it got me through the end of a pretty miserable period, and um and then you know back here, and uh, then it be, then it became sort of unnecessary, hmm. as as a means of manipulating um a, you know a sense of well being let's say. And now it's purely for you know if I if I do it well I'm uh, I'm interested to see what happens in this set of circumstances. No, no, this give me the five fourteen C dose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ooh, that's different. That's different. No, I, I know that's the heroic dose. I get it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been macro dosing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like my past. <laughs> that sounds like my Sundays. <laughs> because micro implies the existence of macro. Yeah. Uh, micro course. also implies the ex existence of self-control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, or a limited supply. Uh, true. <laughs> like, I'm going to see how little I can take and still get where I want. Yeah. Um, the, the, anyway. This would be Aaron last week. Like, I tried microdosing. I took a gram. I'm like, you're just dosing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's you're a different have word a great for that. day, but it's not microdosing. <laughs> so I was actually kind of nervous because I was, when Kristen said, hey, I can, uh, this is my friend, you know, Stephen, and I, I could probably trick him or coerce or whatever <laughs> to coming in and talking to you guys on your podcast. Like, basically, she threw you in front of the bus because she didn't want to actually. Well, then I dragged her back in in I, front of the I, bus, which I was know. good. Um, a, but, but B, I like that you were tricky. I like that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I knew that, that you yeah. didn't want to do another podcast. And I thought, well, Mark wanted me to do the podcast on Friday. I'm like, you know, Stephen's going to be in town. You, you, you are right. I like, I like these I, guys. I knew I it. I don't normally are... like people, as you know. No, I know that. And yeah. I just saw it. I saw it. It was so obvious that you guys were going to get along. And I think that what we're even talking about is what we plan to talk about, right? Yeah, kind of. Sort of. I mean, sort of. I mean, it's... It, it, I was like doing some research and I called up some friends in the DOD. I'm like, do you, you know, who are involved in sort of the, um, the, the whole psychological aspect mm -hmm. of, um, human performance and that sort of thing. I said, do you know this guy or do you know of him? And so one of my guys came back and he said, yeah, and I, uh, he gave me a little information and I started reading and then another friend of mine knows, uh, Peter. Diamandis. Yeah. Quite well. Um, uh, from, a, from, from, a, a completely different from a business um, relationship. And so he gave me a little insight and I was just like, fuck, I, this, 
you know, I've never been nervous about having a guest come in. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous. So I was like oh, furiously here, reading on. and this and that. <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah, just like, no. so, <laughs> so why are you nervous? Uh, for fear of meeting an intellectual match or someone like that just sort of like brings the bulldozer. I'm like, all oh, right, fuck can we just do basic math, please? Yeah, I, I want to be there. able to have a conversation. <laughs> and I want to, so in listening to, because I listened to quite a few of your, your uh, talks and a couple of your interviews and a couple, and read a couple of chapters and a couple of articles. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You haven't read the complete, I'm on your fucking podcast and you yeah. haven't read everything? No, to be fair, I've had 48 <laughs> hours. What do you mean? And <laughs> to, to also be fair, I've been stuck on her book, which I'm almost done with now. But, Hers kind of trapped me into this thing, and I was like, "And we're not going to talk about it. We'll talk about that later. We have a bone to pick with you." But, but, uh, but it, it dissuaded me from like, "Oh man, I really want you to." You think this. you're going to get away with that comment? Yeah. We're going to talk about anything oh my God, else? I'm so Are excited! No, yeah. I'm going to let that. Have you met Kristen? I'm going to let that brew. I'm going to let that. Set. This is this is going to come back, and this will be a good conversation because there's very good stuff in that. But one of the things that piqued me more than when anything, one of your articles. Uh, that I just mentioned before, uh, but just so people know we're talking about, what the title? Sympathy for the Devil, Why Everything You Know About Steroids Is Wrong. Perfect. 2006, 2007? That's got to be, yeah, right in there. Two, okay. Oh, no, actually, we're going back further, actually, because I was still uh, I was still in Los Angeles, so let's say 2005. Okay. I, Perfect. LA Weekly, right? Yeah, LA yeah. Weekly, yeah. It, it's a great, it's on your website if people want to know what I'm referencing. The uh, 5,000 words? Something? I think it was like seven. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's it was a long, quite It's long. a long piece. Okay. It's a long piece. The, but there's very few people that can um, weave this road and also reference books that not many people, and, and you reference Testosterone Dreams, which is a mm. great book for anybody. It's a great book. And you came out of it. Uh, you, you came out of it without, which I think a lot of journalists don't have integrity to do, which is to remain unbiased, but still tell an accurate picture. And usually people like to flip flop and you weaved this nice um, visual where you could appreciate the benefits of uh, hormonal therapy, drug use, whatever, and also acknowledge the abuse of it and the problems it, it, because that's one of the paradoxes of when we're talking about drugs is, well, well, first we have to describe the paradox that is drugs. We have to describe the word drug, like what that means, right? It's also, I mean, it's, I mean, drugs are not drugs. I work primarily on flow states, mm -hmm. runner's high being in the zone, whatever your term for that is. And if you want to come to one of the flow genome projects, like anybody can take flow fundamentals, mm -hmm. or digitally delivered, sign up, whatever. But if you want to take, come to one of our advanced classes, somebody's going to get on the phone with you because mm -hmm. this is the same problem with drugs. Like there's good, there's bad. You need to be an adult. Same thing with flow, sure. right? Like if you are prone to mania, right? Flow is a tremendous surge in dopamine. Mm -hmm. And if you are prone to mania, we are going to kick you into a manic episode. If you come to one of our events and aren't briefed ahead of time, your risk tolerances are going to go through the roof because flow shuts down the prefrontal cortex. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're, Decision, -making, decision making judging goes away so it's you know when you're playing with these high performance technologies let's mm -hmm. call them that um you don't get to be passive you have to be an adult you have to have some level of emotional control mm -hmm. you have to right these are sticky experiences flow states are sticky experiences psychedelics can be sticky sticky mm -hmm. substances blah 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 
I, like when we started saying that adults ha don't have to behave like adults to get peak performance, like what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't even, I'm, I'm totally confused by that. I, I always look, I look at it like um, there's always consequences for actions, right? And there should be, there should always be, well, if there wasn't consequences, there wouldn't be any use in doing it in, in, in the first place. So people use this term like, oh, there, there's no such thing as failure. I'm like, well, then there's no fucking such thing as success. And so you need this you need this context in order to shape a good practice or a good tech for a technology to be worthwhile. Otherwise you're talking about snake oil. And so in most of these things the context and and I think we talked about this about in an episode that we never released. Um yeah, and so I, I guess one those ones we're not ready for yet, or, or maybe the, the public isn't ready, or whatever it is. But we really no, no, no. We faked the moon landing. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about flat earthing. Um, but what one so of my that, one of my that was two episodes back. <laughs> well, we Brief use this term frequently. We talk about poison because people usually it's a pejorative, like oh, you're poisoning something. I'm taking poison. Uh, it's a verb. It's a noun. It's all these. It's a very good descriptor. It's also a rock band. <laughs> it was actually going to be the name of our training book. Right. Nice. Yeah. So it, when we went down that road, I, we did some research on, well, I, I'm kind of a word junkie. So we went down this road and I kind of fell on Plato's old philosophy of pharmacon, which is mm -hmm. essentially the mm -hmm. root word for pharmacy. And essentially the, there was this paradox even then that was argued, I mean, with nails and teeth involved and probably some fucking lynchings of some sort back in the day about the term pharmacon meaning both the cure and a death sentence like it is both um, the thing that helps you and the thing that ails you and that's what drug really means and so when we have this like drug free drugs are bad drug is this i'm like ah, you're taking everything and throwing out with the bathwater. And, and people need to make these distinctions ahead of time but we generally say like especially when we'll, we'll come to maybe talk about sports and, and peds um people think oh drugs are bad and if you're doping you're a bad person you're maniacal and evil and sociopathic and you're just trying to cheat to get away with something and i think this is a you're not considering the essence of sports in the first part which is to um, really push human ability and do whatever it takes to do that thing and when people consider i mean this is in the tenets of WADA, so I'll include it, which is um, fair sport is based on safety. And I say, fuck, no, it's not. There's nothing safe about jumping off of a 40-foot gap. There's nothing safe about bombing down a hill at 60 miles an hour with 110 other Tour de France riders. 40 is safe. 40, 70 isn't. <laughs> 70 is where you get kind of out of hand. So That's like right. whatever we're talking about, we're not talking about the care of human safety. What we're talking about is this, this – like esoteric idea of fairness, which doesn't exist in nature. Fair, fairness isn't a thing. Like we're not born the same. We we should have fairness as an opportunity, but fairness as a result is ridiculous. And sport exemplifies that. And we have this mismatch with how we label drugs, how we label sport, how we label life extension. All these things come to a fairness thing. And I think once you start to draw, uh, describe drug use, um, people get a really bad taste in the mouth. And it's really hard to have this discussion because almost when we say like, oh, psychedelics, people born in a certain year have a very weird relationship with that. Right. <laughs> Just like, going to tell you a funny story sure. on that. 
So there's a real, right, these days, big difference between what goes on on the West Coast and what goes on on the East Coast in just terms of attitudes, right? And a lot of it is the East Coast in New York, they're still getting drunk and doing blow. Like, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like that's what they do, right? Like, And, and it hasn't changed since the early 80s, mm-hmm. um, in a sense, or the 70s. Powerful movement. Powerful <laughs> movement. Very. 50 years of durability. Yeah. The, maybe the two worst substances <laughs> of the history of the yeah. universe combined. Yes. That's what we do in New York. And I would, so... I was doing a thing for, let's say that it was the top 50 chief strategy officers from the top you know, 50 companies in the world. And I was in New York and it was an open conversation and it was supposed to, I was told to speak absolutely freely. freely. Right. So somebody <laughs> asked. Wait, you, and and right. you didn't tell them. So somebody yeah. said, you know, can, is there flow in a pill? And I said, you know, I said, no, there, it doesn't exist. And don't, like anybody who tells you there's anything close, you know, they're lying. Go look at a chart of the endocrine system and like mm-hmm. try to figure, right? Like that's all you needed to see is yeah. like what the endocrine, what the map looks like. But, you know, if you, if you want to mimic it, right, neurochemically, um, you're, you could do a lot worse than like a 20 to 25 minute run followed by a cup of coffee followed by a sativa-based joint. That's essentially neurochemically flow. Right, it doesn't tilt the brain waves in exactly the same way. It doesn't create mm. all the same stuff, but it's very, very similar. And this is just marijuana, which is now decriminalized in New York, and like everybody's smoking it. Every this guy who will go unnamed, this company will go unnamed in the front row, just like jumps to his feet. I mean, in the middle of my whatever, he's <laughs> on his feet and he's screaming and he's like, "What about pure things? What about meditation? What about blah blah blah? And don't you know everybody in Silicon Valley is doing acid?" I just fell over. I was laughing so hard. I was like, well, I hate to put my head in the lion's mouth on this. But at first I had to explain to him that the difference between like, he was mad about action sports as a trigger for flow. He really, he wanted like, it was a skin bag bias, which we talk a lot about. And and was it because um, those sorts of extreme activities were not available to him in a physical sense? Like his map wasn't that big. His map wasn't that big. And he like, and you know, he doesn't, Mm. You know, if it's it's a very difficult and uncomfortable concept. You know, the the core idea, the one of the core ideas at the heart of stealing fire, is that you know, neurologically, there isn't a hell of a lot of difference. There are key differences between meditative states and trance states and so-called sure. mystical mm-hmm. states and flow states and psychedelic states. And for people to hear that, like you can go skiing and get into a flow state, or you could do drug X and get into whatever and it's the same as my very pure meditation experience my very Mm. pure prayer based church like people their heads explode but that's like just and it happens with us with nutrition Mm. is like you start applying the language of sin to you know these activities and like I and I need to and maybe it's also a self-belief thing or a belief in I have to believe more in what I'm doing in order to sort of justify it or, or to feel comfortable with it and 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 one of the ways that I permit myself to believe more in my thing is to sort of denigrate your thing or say, look, no, I'm, I am, I am meditating. You're just, you're, you are active meditating for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, wait, there's a fucking difference. And I've had this argument years, for years based on sort of, for for me, you know, climbing was active meditation. It is active Mm -hmm. meditation. And, and that, that's just, it, and then you know, run into people, and I'm, I said, "Man, I can't really just contemplate that pebble for uh, months, or I don't know how y'all do it, but um, I, I, I believe we are 
experiencing the same thing. There's no better, no worse. It's simply different. And I would like to put those on sort of an even plane. Mm. Right. Like I teach Zen. I don't meditate. I mean, wrap your mind around that. Silence. <laughs> oh, you told us <laughs> to do We were rapping. Right. We, we were rapping. Well, Zen, Zazen, like Zen is yeah. the whole basis behind Zen is meditation. Mm-hmm. And I don't meditate. But I teach, when I work with clients, I teach higher states of consciousness. I teach them to be in flow with uh, their 10,000 voices, I call them. Like it's not for me about Zen. Like people say, oh yeah, skiing is my church or sports are my church. But is it really? Because most people go up to there and they're like, pissed off because it's crowded and the cheeseburgers are $13 and you know they're they're not actually treating it like some sort of higher experience like they think they are and if you though become present to it and you actually kind of shift your perspective and shift once you get up there into actually really seeing this as an opportunity for flow states or church that's when things get real that's when things get gorgeous uh, there's a there's a lot of similarity. I mean, in the history of humans with religious practice, which we won't try to describe to the T, because I think that that is an kind of an open metaphor for what you're talking about. Um, when people talk uh, religiously about atonement, when you break down that word, it's almost at one meant. Like I am trying to center myself. I am trying to remove the external world and be within my own self. And religious practice has exemplified that, but it's also come with the cytocart of bad civilization practice, which is puritanical in belief. And if you, you know, in order to belong to a group, we need good or bad things to start to differentiate. And I think that's what's convoluted a lot of what this discussion becomes about. Like you mentioned, like uh, that's shocking to people when you say, I don't meditate, but I practice Zen because they want to be able to identify what you do. Therefore, they can put you in this description box and then move along or do what you do or join your group or do this thing. But this is kind of the same thing when we, we fuck, I'd hate to bring this back to fitness. But when people think that we are fitness people, we're like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, kind of. We spend time in a gym with the, the, the objects that people know as fitness equipment. But what we do has more to do with human nature than it does fitness. Very, very few pl- other gyms can you play dodgeball with kettlebells. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, you're doing something different here, I have to say. <laughs> well, well apples, we, apples. we do play actual dodgeball too, which is one of the roughest things I have to admit oh, to side note. I mean, terror in yeah. high school <laughs> as an adult, but I'll come. Yeah. I mean, you're playing dodgeball, I'm here. Uh, and that, I'm in. So that becomes one of the, the funny things because people have this idea. And this is... this is. I mean, I'll, 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 you, you can just fast forward and just say the means are irrelevant totally yeah well, like, 100% yeah, we're and, and I think fitness, the same we're talking thing. about skiing we're talking about climbing we're talking about drugs we're talking about the, look the means are essentially irrelevant as long as the the the, the attitude um, uh, uh, about whatever you're doing and the you know higher uh, target or quest or mm-hmm. you know experience wise is um, is the objective in a sense it's like I'm, do, I'm doing this it could be Brazilian jiu-jitsu I mean it's what, what seems relevant to me is just that we have this experience because mm. it's not normal for us to have these experiences. It's more normal for us to just remain firmly in our egos and no, having in, a limited in, personal view of the are world. Are you talking about like in the modern era? It's not normal? Um, I would say that it's, yeah, I, I, I believe and it has been my experience that we're here to have a human experience and the human experience 
is not the spiritual experience. Like we're here to be raw, real humans. And if we can go all the way with being raw, real humans, then we have a better chance of getting there. But it's kind of like um, when I think of Star Trek, am I getting that right? Mm. Star Wars, mm. Star Wars. May the force be with you. They kind of got it wrong. It's actually may you be with the force. It's like the force isn't going to leap out and find you. Like I see a river, right? Um, may the river be with you. Yeah, here I'm Pretty getting good. Set. Okay, so so the river is not going to come out and find you. You actually have to go find it and jump on in. Like these states, they're hidden inside of us. We just have to awaken it. We have to wake up to the fact that it's right there. I can be there in an instant. It sometimes just takes a simple shift. So there's sort of a, um, and I'll, I'll just I'll use a, tar a loaded word, a genetic memory, which is, you know, of these, of this thing that is within me. That is that I have suppressed or society has oppressed for I have suppressed or society has oppressed for me. I don't even know that it's society. Yes, society contributes to oppressing that, but it's also it just really hasn't been awakened. I mean, I even it. religion has only been around for a few thousand years and now we're just even separating spirituality from religion just for the first time ever. Mm. And, and so we're, we're getting closer and closer to getting in these states on a more regular basis. You know, Stephen's book is definitely kind of identifying what's really going on here. We're definitely in a transition right now where more and more people are actually seeking these experiences. And yes, they happen to us, but to learn that you can actually go find them as well is very profound. And yeah. I, uh, last thing I'll say, I measure the quality of my life uh, based on how many times I actually get into that place on a yearly basis. I'm going to come back to your final comment in a second. I want to jump I, to the yeah. first one because mm -hmm. the final comment is really smart and I totally agree with you. But the, one of, to her point, when you, if you would have talked to Jamie Will, my partner on the Flow Genome mm -hmm. Project and I, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago and said, you know, what do you absolutely believe is true about Flow at this point? Like, what yeah. do you know? We would at the top of our list would be, um, this shit is hard to train, right? At that point, we were working with U.S. Special Forces, we were working with pro athletes, and we were working with maybe top C-suite executives from the West Coast who had right. a more open mind, and, right? And then we created Flow Fundamentals, and then we, you know, we tr we did our our learning experience at Google, for example. At Google, we were with Google for six weeks doing a joint learning exercise. We took eighty Googlers from all over the company, and gave them kind of a day of training on the front end, a day of training on the back end, and then like an hour of homework, you know, spread out throughout the day along the way. And on the back end, we got a 35 to 80% increase in flow. In, in, in flow. In, in access, access to Access to it. flow in okay. the state. And in our digitally delivered courses where we're measuring the set, there are seven characteristics of flow, the psychological characteristics, which is how you measure it. And we measure pre and post. And on average, we're seeing a 70% bump in flow. Now. You know, as I, as I said over the weekend when you were there, Kristen, is like, does this mean that our kung fu is exceptionally badass? I don't think, I mean, yes, our kung fu is exceptionally badass, right? Promo aside, I don't think so. I think it means we are biologically hardwired for this and it's remarkably easy to train, mm. right? You, you steer people in the right direction and yeah. as long as they keep going, this is where they're going to go. And it's shocking, right? Because every religion in history has said, oh no, there's a secret secret and it's really hard to And it to has get to be through. interpolated by these this hierarchy of people that yeah to whom you may 
uh, he, he, it, whatever may speak through them to you, but you don't get to speak back. And some, I mean, some of it, look, you, you know, I always say when you look at core religious texts, you know, strip out the, strip out the politics, strip out the, and some of the politics and some, I mean, you know, you go to like, you know, Judaism, the laws of kosher, dietary laws, which are really restrictive, but most of them are about not getting trichinosis, not, right, diseases. Like, they were smart rules back then for keeping people healthy. They're just stupid things to pass down. Um, And I, you know, (laughs) like, I grew up in a, you know, a Jewish household where we kept kosher and we had two different dishes. We did all that stuff, right? Um, and it's a really good idea if you're trying to protect people from diseases in like, you know, the 5th century BCE. It's phenomenal. But we don't really need it here in the 21st. Yeah, that, it had a, a very good correlation to successful living, but it was based off of the wrong reasons. It, it was our, you know, it, we would like to explain away the world based on correlation. And we don't need to do that because we know germ theory now. We know We know that these things aren't. It's also a question of like, what are your, what's your recording technology, right? You guys here at your gym have, you, you know, there's a fitness regimen, but there's a whole dietary thing that comes along, mm-hmm. right? There's a, all those ideas, like the same ideas they had back then, they're different ideas, but you're doing all the same things, right? Here you have dietary rules that it's a good idea to follow. Ooh. You have. Yeah, so this is where it'll get shocking. Dietary directions. So, let's not say rules. We'll, we'll call them axioms. Axioms. Right, okay. right. So there, there is the best known guidelines. There's very, very few of them because the most important thing, like you would state, not, not pinpointing or directing or funneling a single idea as the only way. As in skiing is not the only way to get to a right. mental state that's helpful or flow state like you would describe or alpining or, or whatever this is. Um, the the axioms what they hold up actually is self reflection more than anything, and that that's what I think. Pra- that's what physical efforts and practice do. And and even if we go back in history and look at religious efforts, it, whether it's the you know uh, the deprivation for fasting in Ramadan, like this is a self reflective exercise that really gets you to intuit. Uh, if you're not just doing it for dogmatic purposes, if you're really trying to ingrain the practice as, as what it was first meant for, the deprivation is an appreciation of something else. And whether that happens on a bicycle or whether that happens through fasting or whether that happens through you know uh, any other means, what we're dealing with is some, like this universal idea of loss of self, this universal idea of higher consciousness like you, like you mentioned before. And there are certain guidelines that can help you do that. Um, and that's one of the things in the gym, we can construct or, or you know, in, in consultation with nutrition, we can construct these axioms or these ideas or these guidelines to help focus somebody. But the state that we want them to reach will not come from those guidelines. In fact, sometimes it comes from breaking them because the realization or the epiphany comes when you notice that this is all individual. This is all our own path. We we can pave our own way. We don't need rules. The rules are there for kind of the scragglers to be corralled or to at least point you in the right direction. But eventually, after you learn the rules, like most people would like to, you know, admit you can learn how to break them. I agree with that. I I got I got nothing on top of that other than like going from nutrition theory to higher consciousness and like a one paragraph is. 
<laughs> well, so the, um, all right. <laughs> well, maybe I'll jump in the deep end and be like, well, if you've done ayahuasca, <laughs> there is the dieta that goes with it. And and me as a logical, very rational person was like, fuck you, like. Oh, you, you want me to cut out salt for a month? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want me to like, oh, and this is my favorite is like, you know, if you get into the guru cosplay that sends you, they're like, hello, holy, lovely people of the earth and all this fucking gibberish bullshit. Here's the diet. And it basically looks like, you know, oh, I got my education from Whole Foods and I need these essential oils and I need to, it, the diet doesn't make any logical sense. If you say no sugar, but you say I can have coconut water, go fuck yourself. You don't know what glucose molecules right, look like. Exactly. Or, or whatever the thing is like, this is bad. That's good. This is that. That's the other. When you actually do it, like, so the first time I did it was like, I'm looking at the diet and I'm like, fuck these people. Like my first, because it's I, not I logical. I know better. I know better. Like I, I know a lot about nutrition. And this doesn't make any sense. So I do a little research um, and I find out like, okay, there are some things though that are potentially harmful and there is a reason to get rid of salt. But the overarching idea once I learned it was, look, you want to deprivate the senses so that you can feel more, you can be more in tune. You're not dissuaded by, um, uh, the best way I put it, and a lot of people think, hey, you're just going to do some drugs somewhere in the jungle. No. That, that's not the experience because the, the deeper experience of ayahuasca is getting past the flashy stuff, I think. Like the the hypnotic visuals that are really attractive. Man, I want to see more of that. Once you learn to cut that out, you get to what we're talking about, which is a higher sense of consciousness. You you really get to start to intuit what, what being I don't, a human being okay, is so all about. I'm really not sure what that word higher means. Like that make the whole word makes me uh, no, really sure. no, already really using the language of sin of right. so uh, like better but, than but, worse. That like I mean we're comparative by nature though as human sure. beings. But I, like, I always say that, that I'm, I'm going to talk over you. Oh, I'm going to finish this oh. sentence and then you oh, can super speak. quick though. I oh, think okay. bigger oh, is the better word. Like bigger. you have the small mind and then you have the big mind. That's fair. I like the uh, so. Uh, very often we meet mm. people at the flow genome project coming to our events who they want a permanent flow state right and i always tell people first of all we have a word for a permanent flow state we call it schizophrenia yeah. <laughs> right like this is not a thing you want right like so, seriously yeah, it's yeah, either yeah. mania or schizophrenia either way you don't want that experience what most people don't get and i don't understand this is the information, the rich information is in the contrast. Like yes. flow is this huge peak, ayahuasca is this huge peak, but if you're always at this huge peak, it's that's your normal, that's your everyday. But, and, like it, you're exactly right. It's the difference between the states that is so information. Yeah, the rich. contrast is what gives the experience meaning, but not it's also the actual a, high point. Like if you want to have, oh, this is so good, I want to have this all the time. I want to mm -hmm. do this all the time. I mean, you 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 are sort of rejecting the interval nature of our existence as human beings. Right? Yes, that's it. I, I completely agree. In a little simpler analogy, people think that they want to be the most fit that they could possibly be at all times. If you understand what that takes in the stress that revolves around being your fittest, you know that is not a healthy state, that that is a peak for a reason. And when you fall off of that peak and you feel broken and miserable, you flatline into this area that's actually normal. <coughs> Excuse me. And you, you want... Michael, I've never actually heard somebody say that about fitness before. That's awesome. That's a really good point. Oh, and I, oh, well, I mean, okay. So I, if, if, if I want to be, and we look at the, like, let's take CrossFit for an example, because people look, that's a general Here, fitness thing, right? just have to send you the death by exercise sermon that I wrote about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which, <clears throat> which is arguing that, you know, that there's a, there is a, uh, a big difference between 
exercise or activity for hmm. health benefits, if that's the objective, which is sort of the universal application, versus, okay, if I'm, if I'm doing these things um, seeking performance benefit, that often performance benefits, that the achievement of high performance is not healthy. And then we can start talking about why we exercise after that what? once we separate these that's things. you touched on the interval nature of something and usually that's a term for physiological states of exercise like oh we interval and it, whatever blah 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 blah. i'm awake i'm asleep i'm awake i'm asleep it's fucking interval yeah it, but this there's an interval structure to life that is up and down and valleys and peaks emotional and in in contrasting and that's what that like that could be called the higher or the meta view of what an existence should be are looking at the you know expand out and look at the whole picture and the peaks and valleys should be very very good you, your hardship causes uh, your hardship gives reason to think that the high points are are worthwhile and and vice versa and i think you mentioned this at one point when um in your book when you mentioned um he's pointing at Kristen now by the yeah, way oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> too many book writers in here <laughs> when you mentioned you took like the normal thing to do would be to train through the season and you decided you needed to confront some stuff so you went through you went to Asia and you also noted that the the intensity involved in that had a direct effect in a different way towards your ski season most people like when I see athletes or people looking at fitness or looking at any kind of task and they're like no I need to do this and they almost beat their head down into trying to get to a flow state or they try to get to a peak in fitness or they try to get whatever it is that that this is a very zen approach but you're hitting the wrong hammer and sometimes taking away from that will highlight the importance. The, the time away will allow you to go into it deeper. Is it, would that yeah. kind of... Well, I make a living getting people unstuck from patterns that don't work for them anymore. And mm. there, I have a couple of tricks <laughs> you know, on my sleeve on figuring out where people are stuck. And one way where I can tell where people are stuck, like let's say you wear Prada every day or you wear Birkenstocks every day. Like you're stuck. But if you wear Prada one day and you wear Birkenstocks the next day, you're not stuck. You know, if you I only won't like eat... you either those days, let's just be clear. <laughs> I'm not going to like your Birkenstock day. I'm not going to like your Prada day. Okay? <laughs> if you have are... more creative, creativity, people. It, but if you are, um, I, I will argue against that because eventually you do become stuck because was, you are consciously to <laughs> trying to steer yourself towards, oh, I need to be different. Like I can't, if, if I wear this mm. all the time, I'm, I'm stuck. Well, I'm, but if, if I wear, if, if I switch this up, you're still fucking wearing clothes. Well, okay. Let's take it into nutrition. <laughs> All right. I like that. Yes. You're still, as long as you like, go out I'm of the sorry, house with pants yeah. on, you're good. <laughs> sure. Okay. But taking it into nutrition, if you only eat kale. Oh, Stephen almost took his pants off. Um, He's been trying to. It's going to happen sooner or later. You know, there have been people who died from drinking too much carrot juice, for example. Yeah. Like if you, and I actually have my surrogate mom. She ate this super healthy diet and she was in her 80s and she's trying to control her her health and well-being and longevity by her diet. Well, next thing you know, she had a stroke and it was determined the reason why is because she didn't have any f uh, fat in her diet mm -hmm. and she was so depleted on salt. Like if you're eating kale every day, you're stuck. You know, if you're eating cheeseburgers every day, you're stuck. But if you eat a cheeseburger one day and kale the next day, you know, you have a better chance of being healthy. And it's back to the flow states. It's like, you know, you're not always going to want to be in a flow state. You have to have that balance, that contrast like that we keep coming back to. Well, well so we describe the implement, and this comes back to the whole idea of describing 
something as healthy or something as good or something as bad. Most people are like, oh, kale is healthy, kale is good. But given the context that you apply that to something, that that's the real determinant, right? So uh, now the big thing is sugar's bad. Everybody knows sugar's bad. If I eat sugar, I'm bad. I'm an evil person. I'm going to die no, from cancer or you're whatever. Not, you're not, no, the, um, sugar <laughs> does not confer the title of evil. <laughs> what well, that's what's like you're happening, a shitty right? person. I love, and you feel bad a lot. I love sugar. But oh well, God. so the idea <laughs> behind it though, but sugar Ketogenic itself. Ketogenic superheroes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, I'm buying the URL okay. right now. But Keto the idea, and this is the thing, like the the ketogenic. <laughs> I'm in with you. Okay. The, the ketogenic dogma is pushing through because we have a couple studies that show that in you know our abundance that we have manifested. Oh, please, let us manifest our abundance. <laughs> Sugar is my time. soulmate. Yeah, yeah. So if we have, uh, you know, we have this abundance where humans are dying from excess as opposed to mm-hmm. less, which is the human history has basically been starvation. Now it's the opposite. So now sugar looks different than it did 100 years ago. So what's the difference? Has sugar, have we just finally recognized that sugar is toxic? Or have we finally recognized that our condition doesn't allow sugar to be useful anymore? And, that, and if you look at uh, inanimate things, as either a utility um, or not, then you have a more accurate picture. Like, again, is is meditation useful? Probably for the person who's never done it or doesn't understand it, it might be a useful tool. But is it good for the person that is in a perpetual flow state? No, they're psychotic. They don't need any more time trying to theta wave their way to fucking nirvana. They, (laughs) they, They need to break that. Like, what you're talking about is this variation, right? And like, if we just... If we just exemplify what evolution has done for us, we should know that variation is in our DNA. That the the whole reason we exist is because of variables and variation. It's also in in flow, like just mm-hmm. neurochemically. One of the reasons you can't live in flow is your main focusing chemicals, which are norepinephrine mm-hmm. and dopamine. They've got twenty minute shelf lives, right? Why mm-hmm. are TED talks twenty minutes long? Because <laughs> your two main focusing chemicals burn out after twenty minutes. Right. When you go to see a James Bond movie and it blows up for mm-hmm. the first half an hour and you're exhausted after that yeah. half hour, and you have to sit there for two more hours. Why are you exhausted? Because I've burned right. out all your focusing chemicals. But the interesting <laughs> thing is, for all the people who want to live in flow more often, this one of the secrets is you can't ride the high all the way up, mm-hmm. right? Like. One of the problems people, dopamine, mm-hmm. well, actually dopamine and norepinephrine, among other things, one of the things, other things besides driving focus they do in the brain is they tune signal to noise ratios, meaning you recognize more patterns mm-hmm. when they're in your system. So one of the secrets to, not, to being able to have flow day after day after day is don't chase those ideas all the way down the rabbit hole. At a certain point, you got to be like, okay, I got into flow. It was useful for my writing session or my whatever it was that I was doing thing. And now I'm going to break that state so I don't pull all the dopamine and norepinephrine out of my system so I don't have to take as much time to rebuild it and I can actually drop back in the next day, the next time I come back to work or whatever. Um, I've left some in reserve, right? You can't, this is back to where we started. You can't be the addict. You can't be like, oh, I got to chase this feeling. I got to chase this idea over and over and over again. No, actually, you got to be, you got to like be at your peak and go, all right, I'm going to walk away from that for, you know, 24 hours or whatever it is. Um, Well, we're talking about saturation, like ultimately saturation mm -hmm. and saturation of it. Like, how do you get water wetter? Like, like you, you eventually have a state that can't change. And, And that's, 
that's really hard to describe to somebody who a has never been in a flow state and when they feel it for the first time they go bam that's it and you see this with people with use of psychedelics they have never they've never experienced anything so profound therefore they link the drug to the state and then all they and i'm not in an addict way but they think that the profundity comes from this action as opposed to the profundity is in the search the profundity is in is in the contrast of not being in that state, then being in that state, then coming out of that state again. It's oh. also, oh, please go ahead, Kristen. All right. So I want to bring up the ugly truth about Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> is this the cleanup or? <laughs> I have so I did many not have sex with that woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, that would different? You, you may oh, have. <laughs> Uh, we, we have no video evidence of it, so I'm willing to believe you. So here's the ugly truth about Burning Man. And Stephen writes about Burning Man as kind of the, the kind of the epicenter for uh, taking people that are flow states junkies. They come together and they kind of create a bigger version of flow state altogether. So the ugly truth about Burning Man is I have seen more than one person go to Burning Man, have this higher experience, and then they accentuate it by taking drugs. And then they go home, and some of these people maybe have never even taken drugs in their lives. I know, I know my brother has never taken drugs in his life, except for when I fed them to him at Burning Man. <laughs> so anyway, they, they come home, and they're like, oh my gosh. And a lot of people don't go to Burning Man anymore because the come down, like going back to regular society, is so crushing to their soul that they never want to go back again just because they don't want to have to come back to regular life. So what people do is they come home and they become drug addicts. Mm. And I've seen this happen with so... Well, we saw the same thing on the... Like the pro surf tour is a great example where like suddenly people are dying right and left from speed overdoses, right? Because they get this huge high from flow and they want it, you know, when they're not in the waves right. and you're getting... And they think the only way they can get it is through drugs. So I have personally three extremely why close that, friends... Why did that association happen though? Well, let me finish. So I have three very close friends who I'd never seen do drugs. I've known them for 20 years. They come home from Burning Man, their first experience. They're now drug addicts. And I say drug addicts with a grain of salt because they're taking like LSD and they're taking, <laughs> a, you know, but, but they have to do it every day. And mm. two of these three people have now committed suicide. And these are really good friends of mine. And so I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it just seemed like a good place to interject That's this. Heavy. It's like people get so <laughs> addicted. By the way, two of my really good friends have just killed themselves. Yeah, this well, is, no, this, is a, this, is a very, this is a very relevant <laughs> topic because people find exercise and then kill themselves with exercise. Or they, they at least get very sick doing so. Yeah. They get very like, oh, I'm, I'm aiming towards healthy foods. Now I can do nothing but shop at Whole Foods and eat GMO-free bullshit. Wh whatever the constraints, we love well it, it comes from our puritanical um civilization we talk about the stupidity culture. of gmo free but that's besides <laughs> the point <laughs> we, we could that would be a tangent that would be unuseful in most cases other you can describe what we're talking about when we're describing what people de deem as Steven, don't what people describe Don't as health food, him, please. Right. We're not talking <laughs> Sorry, about things that describe health in most cases, right? When we say gluten-free, GMO-free, dairy-free, whatever, fucking vegan, we're not describing health. We're describing marketing. Like we're, we're describing. Right. That's all For we're sure. describing. Yeah. We should be now clear we with that. Yeah. Right. Um, I forgot where I was going with that, but that was a nice derailment. <laughs> Thank God. No, yeah. Sorry. That's like Sorry. if there's a rabbit hole that looks like a funnel, don't. 
point him towards it because <laughs> we'll, we'll be the speed we gather coming out like the narrow part of yeah. the tube will be too and great to handle. This was the purpose. So this Kierkegaard the, used to say, <laughs> well, <laughs> "This was the purpose in calling our our whatever our manifesto is poison is because." People would say, oh, I want to make a transformation. I want to use exercise and nutrition in order to uh, do this. And it seems like what you offer is like, you know, the drug or, or the, 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 the Here cure be would be this. And ours is like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you want to change your life? Like we, we talked about this guy that we took through this transformation, Clark, who we will have on this podcast because I really just want to hear what he fucking has to say about the process. Um, but in reality, what we warned about him up front wasn't the wasn't like oh you could get hurt doing these dangerous movements with weights. What you, you got to really watch for this. My my warning was this could completely shatter your family life, and that that is a collateral damage to people changing themselves. I mean, becoming we, healthier. Yeah, we tell the same. I mean, when like with flow stuff, mm-hmm. I always tell people have your conversations out loud. Like let the mm. people who love you know what you're doing because first of all if you start pumping yourself full of dopamine Mm -hmm. having more flow experiences there's no real difference uh, if it's just dopamine that we're talking about between being a coke addict and you know and Mm -hmm. lots of dopamine it's the same right the same thing Mm -hmm. and so what happens when you snort cocaine well you get very very grandiose and very very talkative and you think you know your shit is more important than it probably is same thing happens with flow very frequently so like if you're chasing if you're pursuing a high higher flow lifestyle and your significant other is used to a different kind of person they're going to find the new you pretty annoying so we i used to make this joke during um the early days of jim jones especially when we started training females i was just like we need to get kickbacks from divorce attorneys (laughs) (laughs) because the number of women that came in and started training that discovered the their autonomy their own personal autonomy and maybe were able to see more clearly because they had because they expanded the size of their map they expanded their opportunities they could see the sort of you know that they were circling the drain mm-hmm. yeah and by and, the way and how I mean, to get out i mean it's freud solved this different process different thing whatever yeah. but he was like Look, there's a part of the process where you're going to fall in love with your therapist. That's part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. Right? It's built in. He's it's built in, right? Yeah. It's built in, right? I, Which he came correct with it. I mean, I'm, right. I, you know, so you can say what you want about psychotherapy um, and his methodologies, but he was not wrong about that particular aspect and of the process. And completely upfront about it. And, right. and and whether it's the therapist or whether it's just like the you therapy, fall, you, the, or you fall in love with the opportunity that you have um, exercised into yourself, in a sense. Um, mm. It, it, it's, I mean, it, it happens a lot, and it's, and, and I think any, any any form of self discovery or any kind of time that there is a mirror, you use some means to hold a mirror up to yourself, and that mirror is, I mean, I'll say it, and and you can use that mirror as a knife, or to see very clearly within yourself, then then your life will change in uh, in a dramatic way. And we tend to fall in love with things that change us, and we tend to hold contempt for things that reflect the fact that we can't change. And that's what I think the dynamic, like in a spousal relationship, there's this. Oh, that's really interesting. You be, that's a smart statement. You, you grow together in, 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 to a point. Let's talk about long-term relationships that people have fundamentally, especially from young ages, um, that you're having slightly different experiences, enough that could intuit that you would become different people, but 
you have enough exposure to each other that you become kind of the same person. And if somebody ever deviates from that line, the real the real harm, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad harm, it could be a separation that's a good thing for both people, but the harm in it is that the self-reflective uh, implication of somebody making drastic changes without the other person is just a self-reflection problem. And it, like uh, fitness, one thing, um, a couple, a couple um, that is married and one having an ayahuasca experience and the other not, totally the same thing. Like the, the or, experience itself would cause dramatic you, shifts. Or, I'm interested to, what do you, because you're facilitating this stuff in people all the time, much more, I, you know, I, I write books and hide from people because I don't like them that much. <laughs> you see you you see it on the front lines a lot more than, Hence, what do you see? My comment about leading with her face. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Kristen loves people. I I am more of an introvert than an extrovert, but you would never know it. Mm. Um, so what I see is when one partner has a consciousness practice, like starts a consciousness practice. And part of that consciousness practice is then, of course, accessing these states that we're talking about, these bigger, bigger mind states. And it's kind of like um, looks. Like tens marry tens, twos marry twos. Unless there's money involved, then some rich old dude will marry some young, gorgeous woman, right? But it's the same with kind of levels of development, like levels of not only ego development, but just development of, of spiritual, you know, recognition. And so twos marry twos, ten marry tens. You know, people that are having a consciousness practice, if they're they're not going to go and find somebody when they're single that doesn't have a consciousness practice and marry them. So you're going to meet each other on the same level. But if one partner starts to have a consciousness practice and the other mm. doesn't through whatever means, ayahuasca or what what have you. Reading. Um, right? <laughs> like, and all of a sudden you, you go from a consciousness of a two to a three, you know, and you're leaving your spouse behind and then you're now a four and they're still stuck there. You know, of course that's going lead to divorce mm -hmm. or at least it should it I mean, should <laughs> absolutely because yeah. you're outgrowing your partner you're talking about incompatibility yeah you're outgrowing your partner i just have to refer back to like one goes away on adventure mm -hmm. one stays home but to the person comes back but this is an important point to the person <laughs> that stays at home you know uh, ken wilbur calls it the 415 paradigm like once you start to have kind of a higher level of consciousness like you start to think that your shit doesn't stink that you've kind yeah. of achieved you know and next thing you know you have a huge ego about not having an ego yeah we tell I me mean, that's the problem we talked about it the problem of selflessness mm -hmm. right is whatever the experience of selflessness makes people come back thinking they're gods. Oh my God, yeah, I got right. rid of myself, so let me tell you how to live. And I'm a better person, I'm a higher yeah. evolved person, and you know, you're, and, and to everybody left behind, they're just rolling their eyes, and you Cause know. It's, Cause they're not left behind. They're not behind, they're, they're potentially where they were, and, and, and like the person that comes back from the selfless, you know, the experience, you know, the, the, the loss of self type of experience, um, that comes back with the secret knowledge right? or whatever. The elixir. Like, I think it's the elixir. Well, the right. only, no, I mean, if I came back with elixir, I'd be good with that. The only reason to be in a really long monogamous relationship is you want to explore what a long monogamous relationship will teach you, right? The, otherwise, like this you know what i mean like you come back yeah like yeah you can find it, a roommate like that that's right. easy I mean, to facilitate like, and it know, doesn't have any I, like legal one of the main reasons you know i i married my wife and, and she married we had both been single for 40 years we had had plenty of you know 
experiences, right? And like the experience I hadn't had is a long-term, you know, monogamous relationship. I was like, okay, let's have this experience now. That's interesting to me. That to me is a sober reason to want that. If you're yeah. going into your relationship going, oh my God, I found the meaning of life and her name is or his name is, right? That's a res recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, a, because you're also going to find the meaning of life someplace else outside that person pretty soon. Yeah, and you you would probably, and I don't know the actual numbers, is but you know, marrying at a young age refutes the human idea, which would be to um, learn how to belong to a group, and in that group, learn how to be an individual, and out of that individual, learn how to become a group again, which would be marriage. Or, well, or and let me, you know, let let's just. Let's just talk about the other couple things that nobody ever wants to say out loud, right? <laughs> One, you want to know you you want to you want super high performance, like you're mm. interested in that in your life. You know what is the absolute way to kill that for good? Children. Oh yeah. Period. Right. Yeah. It's very hard to do what you need to yeah. do for sustained high performance over a long period of time with kids. It's just, nobody wants to say it out loud, but it's very, very, very true. And I'm this, with you. We can go right into population and this, control. And, you know, and oh, I'm all over that. And, the, you know, the second thing is this, and, I, you know, I say Whatever this all the time. The, like the little ZPG buttons. Oh, that, my God. I've been looking for a ZPG t-shirt forever, I, and I can't get one <laughs> anymore. They're all stupid, so okay, let's make one. So let's make one. ZPG, yeah. by the way, is zero population growth. I'm yeah, actually yeah, yeah. NPG. I'm negative population growth. Like, I, zero's not good enough for me. But, I, I mean, the other side I mean, is, it's not a prime number, so. So. Right. The other side of that is also like personally, like people having children because their their life doesn't have enough meaning, and so they're going to have children to gain meaning. Mm. Like I don't, you know, whatever else you want. If you're going to have a child, the one prerequisite I think that should be in place is you have figured out how to live a meaningful life, so you have something to teach the so, next yeah. generation. Something you actually teach right. the child. Other, otherwise. You know, I think you're doing something criminal. Otherwise, I'll stay on the anti-natalism newsletter. In, in which case, There's an anti-natalism. How do I sign up? Uh, he's South African philosopher. He's he's pretty damn funny. What's he, his name? Uh, I can't remember his name. I just know he's very well known for anti-natalism, which is it. the argument that not only should we not uh, breed anymore, we should like to have never been bred. Okay, so that's oh, maybe wow. beyond. That's beyond it is. I'm it is. To go. Even <laughs> the argument becomes like even now that once I'm alive, it's really hard to argue against suicide, <laughs> and that it becomes it's a really funny argument. And the philosophy that goes behind it has some kind of tenets. I think overwhelmingly <laughs> has a, some tenets <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that are that are worth <laughs> reflecting on because you at some point, um, and this might have been Spinoza that really reflected on like the discovery of like man, why don't we just all off ourselves like is are the high points worth the low points because most of humans like most of human existence is absolute suffering this is a uh socrates thing this is a this is a lifelong philosophy uh, human history philosophy yeah, no, you're, like, I mean, you're absolutely like, gonna suffer right right, uh, right. Yes. buddhism all that so everything is suffering are the high points do they make up for the amount of low points and that, and that argument, I think when you reflect on that, isn't like, yeah, I should off no, myself. No, I mean, like we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. If we don't go into the ground and rot, if there's something else mm. that, right, the first thing I want is some goddamn answers. Yeah, that right? would be, you know, yeah. like, that Let's would be, be clear. Yes. Well, that, that like, would be. what the fuck was that all about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, yeah. 85 <laughs> years of that bullshit. <laughs> there would be Pascal's wager is like, like, I could have gotten here. Faster. faster, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Had I just known that the solution was yeah. right, like 
Yeah, you die, you're in a permanent state of flow state. Of course, you're not aware of it. Sure. Uh, Yeah, and that could be, I mean, yeah, this is a This is taking a very nice turn. I just want to enter the food chain. <laughs> I just want to enter the food chain. And that, like, so you can look at <laughs> well, this and kind by of the way, twist. as athletes, right, are we you- not just seeking out the no longer at the top of the food chain moment? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we mm-hmm. may, you know, we may to go about, go about it some other way, but that's really a lot of what as action sport athletes, isn't that sort of what you're chasing? That fine line. That's a fine, <sighs> interesting question. The closer to death, the more alive I feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, that was my, that, that was so 30 years ago. I know. I'm <laughs> so not there anymore. <laughs> You're not, as Kristen says, I'm not, I'm so not there anymore. But okay, so let's talk about how alive you felt last week when you had that ski experience that you oh were not God. seeking. But you, I mean, you've said to me three times, I've heard this story since it happened. It's been 10 All right, days. So what he's describing <laughs> is I was heli skiing in Alaska and we get on this 3,000, 3,500 foot long, 45 degree slope. And I had to do this kind of death defying traverse to get over to fresher snow. And I, you know, because I teach flow states and higher, you know, I teach the zone, like I can shift people there in an instant. And I'm, I'm standing up there. I'm like, so conscious of the fact that I'm seeking a flow state here that of course I'm not having one. You can't, yeah. Right? And uh, I truce <laughs> over there and, you know, I don't really go out and look to have sketchy experiences in the mountains anymore um, because I, I know exactly what that is. I don't need to go and risk my life to get there. And uh, part of me thought, this is so stupid. Why am I doing this? This is not my thing anymore. And, you know, I got to ski some fresh powder, but it was interesting going back there again because I really don't, chase that anymore at all so to have that for it kind of felt like for old time's sake you know but nothing more so the lessons were learned and then you don't need to go that that, and the means that you use to to learn those lessons or to access those experiences um is not the 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 current useful yeah but you know set of you know what, what was the value? The skis are too wide now anyway. Right. What the, was the value? It's like, okay, let's Fascist. say you had a dangerous relationship when you were younger and it's been 20 years and all of a sudden you just go back and you have lunch with him. Like it's fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I had with Mark the other day. <laughs> it just flipped me off. It was, yeah. it was right. Really, it the was first, so that's what they, it was. They told us there was no off-limit topics <laughs> well, that's yeah. when we came like. in. But let's just say I think we found one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Saying. But that's what it was like. It's like going back and just kind of teetering on the edge of like potential death. Like, oh, <laughs> I remember this. I'm like, pretty happy that I remember why I'm not early in the 90s were not just 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm reminded. I'm really happy there wasn't ubiquitous cameras because I'd be in jail or something. Right. I mean, like, what are you kidding? Like. Oftentimes, I stand in front of rooms. I'm on Wall in Wall Street or whatever, and I'm like, "If you only knew who oh, yeah. is standing in <laughs> front of you, you would never let me stand up here." Exactly. Yeah. Which is, I think, the uh, a fascinating thing. We're maybe going to derail that, Kristen. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> fine. Idea that that um, oh, you looked up to in a certain context of. Um, as a subject matter expert, let's say, and hired by these groups. And these groups all have a certain culture within them. That, I mean, the real or imagined. Um, and maybe some of that stuff is, art, you know, me taking my own expectations in. But there are certain things in certain, that I'm not going to talk about in front of certain groups of mm. people. I mean, or, or back at 
at one time. I'm like, uh, their my understanding of their culture is this and certain aspects of my life, which I can, you know, I don't need to share in order to get my message across or, um, and, and I mean, to this day, there are certain, like if I started the podcast talking about microdosing and I'm like, oh, but he's a fitness guy. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm working on my mental fitness. I just, you know, I had a sixth grade teacher Mrs. Farinacci, if you're still listening, I'm still pissed. Let's just say this. Um, I, uh, who told me I wouldn't live to see 30. And she was playing the probabilities, and she was yeah. probably right. But the truth of the matter is one of the reasons I get to go into the rooms I'm into and they're going to listen to me because is because you... all those tendencies that almost killed me off by 30, mm -hmm. you know, because I actually managed to live through them into, you know, up to 50 yeah. now, right? That's why I'm standing in front of you, right? Like, that's yeah. why I have something valuable to offer to the world or one of the reasons. The very same thing that you would have got me edge, killed. You came back, and the, the, the act of coming back is is your is your is the duty i mean the the duty to communicate that experience out there um is you know what has to like because so many people don't come back well and you so also know that we were talking about this earlier when you're working with this special operations community right like they're a certain level of badass and if yeah. you haven't if you haven't played you bet you bet your life games yes they're not going to take you seriously you, you can't you yeah you don't share the shorthand right like you, you it's not like and, and you get to see it and you see it on a person mm -hmm. um, the, and, and that is it's an interesting sort of entree into certain communities not because it's because the you bet your life game is not only the entree into special operations sort of it, it, um, sharing a similar language or at least a similar background but funnily enough it's that wall it's the entree into the Wall Street thing uh, it's also it, entree into a lot of criminal culture right like I grew up around people who are in and out of jail, in and out, you know what I mean? Like the psychological makeup of the action sport athlete tribe, the spec op tribes, and the criminal. If you're talking about an intelligent level of criminal, not a- yeah. We're talking right. sociopathy. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> generally speaking, that's- term what, on it. Well, that's what, that, that's Speaking general, of Wall Street. Don't, 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 <laughs> we actually had a discussion about the, the definition of sociopath the other day, did we not, Kristen? Because I used it um, some, in a somewhat cavalier fashion for which I was somewhat admonished. Well, yes. I mean, I had a, a because soci we're, because words have power. Well, I had a sociopath uh, stalking me for five years, and uh, so I got to know, in no uncertain terms, what a sociopath is. Somebody without a conscience, mm -hmm. and then he committed suicide two months before Trump was elected, and I'm like, great. You know, I got rid of one sociopath that was running my life, you know, now I have a new one who's running my life. And so, yes, but I digress. Go back to what you guys is were talking it, about is before. It, is it a conscious? That's uh, a this reach is a, right there. But, but a technical we'll question it. on that. Is it a lack of conscience or is it a lack of empathy? I would say both. I mean, there's a book out there called The Sociopath Next Door. It's a mm -hmm. fascinating read. And uh, I think he said one in 20 no, it yeah. might be one in 10. I, I forget the number, our sociopaths sure. in our culture. I often and confuse so, it with NPD. But. And so when we, well, now we prize people on being philanthropic and empathic and all these like loving humanity qualities. But in essence, we wouldn't survive without sociopathic tendencies. Greed like, is good. The left-handed redhead who loves killing Mr. people is very useful in our military. And this gets into the question of control and-, and What do you got against redheads? Nothing, they're okay. just soulless. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, this control, this becomes like a topic that comes up often is like, 
one of the reasons, well, it, depending on your personality type, that you might be interested in drug use, whether it be psychedelics, whether it be um, uh, performance enhancing of some sort, uh, would be because you're interested in your genuine human experience. And some people just fucking aren't. They just, they, they don't question. They just do what they're told. The rule is this, therefore I would never step out that boundary. And the reason you've ended up in rooms talking to people that you you do is because you have questioned that boundary. You've questioned the gray-haired fucking asshole that is lobbied to well, tell you that you can't look, do Look, I would things. have been very, a very, very different woman person. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been a very, very nice. different woman, too. I do a yeah. little cross-dressing on the weekends. Um, <laughs> if it were, like, Nancy Reagan's just say no, and I wasn't the only one, right? Like, she lied to yeah. us, right? She told me that if I smoke pot, I'm going to become a junkie, mm -hmm. right? Like, she equated, I'm going to smoke pot once, and I'm all of a sudden going to have a heroin addiction. So when I was like 11, right, 11 or 12 and I smoked <laughs> pot for the first time and like I woke up the next day and I was like, wow, I don't appear to be addicted to opiates. Maybe that wasn't exactly the truth, right? Like yeah. don't lie to children because once they figure out you're lying, they're like, they're, you know what I mean? Like that yeah, was, they oh, stop I'm listening. They, stop fact, listening, they start questioning, questioning everything. Right? I mean, like and you have actually failed your prime directive as a politician yeah, it, which it, is it, to keep people keep questioning right. shit and you've I mean, set up it, a generation it was for a whole, rebellion it was because a whole generation i right. masturbated and i'm not blind right. therefore exactly holy shit jesus doesn't exist right. like I mean, that whole thing a lot <laughs> you do <laughs> squint a lot let's start doing some correlation yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah you have eyeglasses by the time you're 12 at night it yeah. might not be genetic <laughs> I do have terrible eyesight. No, 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 man. I was doing telling. forearm exercises. Come on, yeah, what are you yeah. talking about? I, I have I was no lopsided forearm exercises. I, I can't. I can't believe it took us this long to start talking about masturbation. <laughs> Finally, Usually, Jesus Christ! Uh, it's been waiting for us to get to this point. We've repressed it, and apples, now it's come apples out. is my safe word. Yeah, Usually <laughs> in a race to the gutter, Michael wins. But today. Uh, <clears throat> It's yeah. true. Anyway, we were very slow to get there. I, <laughs> I didn't discover left hand thumb in for decades. I don't know anything about that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and I'm apparently, not. if you sit on your hand and let it go numb, it's the stranger. I, I, <laughs> I didn't discover masturbation until I was well into my twenties, and the day I discovered it, I broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> That we're just talking, we're we've I, come full circle, and now we're talking about utility. Tell that, that's state all this discussion. Becomes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so in this in this regard, talk, going back to the the hierarchy of some person declaring what you should and shouldn't do is the most ridiculous thing in in this human experience to me is for to have somebody else tell me what I should and shouldn't experience I think takes away what the real human experience is which is to figure out what you want to actually experience I know that that's a lot we were, of well we were talking about it right before the show mm -hmm. started right like at the flow genome project we're always telling people the minute you have a state the minute somebody wants to make meaning for you mm -hmm. right the minute that you they haven't you've had an altered state experience and somebody wants to say well this is what it means right yeah well then you're in a cult or yeah. some people may call it a religion but like the I minute, call it marketing it's or market I mean, you know one way or another if i if you're having a very very powerful experience and we're telling and somebody else is telling you what it means mm. run don't yes. walk yeah. run away and they always sure. and because they're, well they're, they're for a variety of reasons but it, it to, to me it's always like okay it's it, it's snake oil next mm -hmm. like the 
look, I can, I have a thing that can keep you there the entire time. No, no, no. And it's only, Eat lots of bacon. No, it's a monthly Put butter in your coffee. Yeah. No, man, it's essential oil. It's doTERRA. Uh, Sign up for my MLM. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, Derail <laughs> onto gurus. My bad. We covered my that. bad on don't, that one. Don't stop with butter. Let's, let's use clarified. Yeah, what was the? Is there um, a coffee enema that is involved in this? <clears throat> that was. Oh no, that, I've done that. That's when like I had Lyme disease. Back. I I I tried oh, a lot of okay. coffee. Yeah, because Tim by Tim Ferriss was a Lyme disease. Yeah, he was guy, a Lyme right? disease. Yeah, yeah. You want to really like that was sort of like two and a half years into my Lyme disease, but I so clearly have this visual of like <laughs> being in my bathtub in Los Angeles, like with, you know, coffee coming out of my ass yeah. going, you know, I like whatever else was going on. Like I'm bankrupt. I bankrupted myself chasing these fucking cures. cures. And I'm now like in my bathtub leaking coffee out of my ass. Like really, can you get any, like, is there a lower point? Is this point? bottom? <laughs> like, do I get to like, what else are you going to do as, to me? As fucking... Arbitrarily humorous is that picture might elicit, but this is the real human experience. Like this is this is the like. I ah. encourage you not to do that. Wait, no, <laughs> that's illegal. But wait, <laughs> yeah. don't put stuff. Don't put coffee. God damn, man! Don't tell him what to do. <laughs> no, <they're, laughs> exactly. don't no, 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 no. Don't no, tell no, me what I, I can but, and but can't no, put no, in it's, my. It's, yeah, don't tell me what I can put in my butt. But. Or just don't tell me what it means. I'm not a holier person because I have exactly. the coffee up my ass. Yes. And, and, and it didn't or get, worse. And it didn't get any holier, holier <laughs> by using fair trade organic. Let's just Either. say I was very <laughs> awake for a while. Okay, Let's just say I was very awake for a while. More awake than you actually want to be when you have Lyme disease and, and like you want to sort of mask your symptoms and not really be that awake because awake yeah. is unpleasant. All the right, coffee I, enema, not no, the. No, I'm going to no. give you this one for free for my internal VC monologue. Suppository roasters from Salt Lake City. <laughs> this oh, is this is so you wow. can you can you can go to <laughs> ketogenicsuperheroes.com for our special line of suppository roasters. Billions, so, we're talking so, billions. Yeah, billions <laughs> of the B people. So I so I did buy ketogenicsuperhero.com today. Um, <laughs> did you really? Oh yeah. That's well, it's, we're here. It's kind of one of my things. I buy these URLs. No, no, we, we gotta split like it. Like, like can, okay. can we put out fake? Yes. Products, please. And we can point it to whatever other, like, legitimate website. A cape. A cape <laughs> made out of butter. A butter cape. <laughs> a butter cape. A butter cape. Butter cape. No, it melts as you sweat. <laughs> <laughs> but then you can lick it off yourself. Yeah. And keeps you well lubed. Yeah. <laughs> See, and we're, we're back. Right back. Kristen, Sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, <laughs> Weren't we no. talking about flow states? No, but we were <laughs> we <laughs> are in one right now. It happened. Theta waves. Theta <laughs> waves, baby. I was actually going to bring that up because mm. of the the whole sort of attempts um, using uh, brainwave entrainment or mm -hmm. you know binaural beats. You know, the, the sort of the whole hemisync thing that started with the, at the Monroe Institute or was popularized by. So it. let me just stop right there to say yeah. one thing. So. Our, my friends, Chris Burke and her great team at Advanced Brain Monitoring, yeah. took every single biurnal beat product on the market, yes. tested it with full EEG yeah. and scanners. None of them produce anything that you could like. Shh, don't shh. okay. You I just, just ruined I just, it. Like man. there's stuff that works. I just started. Right? There's it tech out there that works, and, and some of the portable EEG stuff is great. Great for training brainwaves. Yeah. But there is no such thing as biurnal beats, people. Oh, really? Excellent. That's fucking awesome. 
This is the kind of things I live for. Yeah. Because this dismantling some fucking misconception. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like I'm and I look, I'm the first guy in the world to say when I go skiing and I want to put it myself in a flow state, Mm -hmm. I absolutely put my earphones in and turn my tune. So like, I'm not saying music doesn't have an impact on consciousness, huge impact on consciousness, but this biurnal beats brainwave and trim, that is absolute crap. And you're making it up. It's sort of like saying my product produces dopamine. Yeah. Well, really, because we can't fucking measure dopamine in the brain unless you have like one of 12 really powerful brain scanning images because it's so deep in the brain. Like we FMRI. can't really get there. It's not yeah. even fMRI. It's the fMRI meg combination because dopamine is like, if you're talking about like it's basically above your brainstorm, yeah. it's all the way deep under there. We're not good at measuring it. So anybody who says, oh, you know, we've measured dopamine mm-hmm. in this substance, you're lying. Yeah. The science, like there's no possible way you could know that. <sighs> <laughs> I'd say mic drop. I, I, yeah, I was going to like <laughs> slow like, clap you into a finale because. Wow. Yeah. I, but you can feel it. Yes, of course you can. For sure you can feel dopamine. Yeah. And that's the other thing. In this is back to something earlier that we were talking about. When at the Flow Genome Project, one of the things that we'll do is we'll take people through like a respiration protocol producing a nitric oxide release and then you know an hour later we'll give them nitric oxide and people are like holy crap i can produce all this stuff naturally well yes that's why it's called endogenous you know neurochemistry right and so you have done some experimentation with exogenous nitric oxide inhalation interesting yeah we we have a Real Jamie Whale, my partner, has developed an amazing, complicated respiration protocol that's everything from freehold breath diving through holotropic breath work through. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you about because there are studies going on at Stanford the past couple of years talking about um, uh, CO2 tolerance and that leading to uh, endogenous nitric oxide release, mm-hmm. right? So, like the breathing exercises that people do, and they're like, oh, it's hyperoxygenization. Ah, it's probably not. It has more to do with that pathway. Is that kind of. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, the, let, let's do the interesting thing, you know, and uh, and this is Jamie. I'm, I'm stealing Jamie's thunder, sure. so I have to give him credit for it. Sure. Um, these are his ideas, but he, he, as he says, he says, we're oxygen chauvinists. Right, we forget that sure. air, Beautiful. and when we talk about respiration, mm-hmm. there's three. You're talking about oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide, right? There's right. three right. chemicals involved in this particular thing, mm-hmm. and we're oxygen chauvinists. And really, any of these breathing exercises, anything we're doing, we're altering gaseous ratios in our body, and it's not just hyperoxygenation. I mean, and as we know, uh, if again, you want the full picture, has contrast. Right. right, like it, you, you and have antagonism with protagonism. Oxygen, right? It's a poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More often than it's helpful, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, come on, people. <laughs> That's fascinating. I, I mean, I, I can't. Oh well, I guess I have to like cross off Wim Hoffing my way to enlightenment. As I might know to myself. I mean, it, you know, it's like any other. Pro- I mean, Wim sure. Hoffing, you know. Breath of fire, anyone? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Um, there's a long history here, yes. and it's certainly interesting. And by the way, don't do it on a chairlift because it turns out you can black out and fall off the sure. chairlift, as I almost learned the hard way. <laughs> so I recently so had your a response. So that's why there's those safety bars on the front of the that's chair. That's what I learned. <laughs> that's Damn. what I learned. That's, that was I you. thought it was actually to protect stoners, <laughs> okay. but no, it actually is to protect people who are Wim Hof <laughs> like, breathing on the chairlift, right? So I just had an experience with Wim Hof, uh, but I wasn't doing the breathing exercises. Mm. I was in Iceland in wintertime, and I went for three 
probably 40 minute walks, um, basically in my bathing suit nice. outside in the cold. Wow. And they wound up being the highlight of my trip to Iceland. Nice. And the reason why I realized afterwards is because if you go out there, if you kind of make your body really uncomfortable, and if you look at the history of like spiritual practice that mm -hmm. takes people into these higher states, like there's fasting and yeah. there's sweat lodges and some people whip themselves with Bed razor blades. So like, yeah, anything that can take you into your body mm -hmm. and out of your head, like that's the bridge that you cross to get, taking it back to flow states after all these diversions, to take you into that flow state. And so for me, those three walks were like the highlight of my winter yeah. even. That, so I should be clear, because I, I make fun of Wim Hof stuff quite often, but I only because I was so highly skeptical and then uh, trained with somebody who did his style and some pranayama and some other things and, and really realized the utility late in, like in my fitness or physi uh, physiology education was like, oh, fuck, you're right. We don't think about breathing. Right? We're not conscious breathers. We're I'm suspicious of medical claims. Yes. And when I say I'm suspicious, all I've found, mm -hmm. you know, all I, is there is whether we're talking pharmacological, mm -hmm. you know, or, or not, there's no, this works for everyone. Totally. We are, yeah. health-wise, yeah. we are all a data set of one. Right. And so the minute somebody says, oh, I have a system that will work for anybody, well, you are fucking lying. Curious right. depression. Uh, right. Fuck. So what we say, I mean, at the right. Flow Genome Project, our motto is conduct your own experiment. Like the, I'm always saying, hey, look, what worked for me, yeah. probably not gonna work for you. So, uh, but this is part of, and this is why we rain down, and this is what's so great about you bringing up point, uh, like some factual statements to just try to disperse some of the uh, misconceptions of, you know, binaural beat practice or whatever. Uh, but it, this is my problem with the hacking culture is that you, you end up trying to find shortcuts into things that are highlighted as as the experience or this is the thing like this is the way to health this is the way to what we're still just talking about snake oil like what we're all trying to as opposed to selling a philosophy to somebody or a way or an experience or hey go through this step process and you might get something at the end to me i mean it's interesting because we use the term hacking too mm -hmm. like flow hacker nation is our is mm -hmm. our tribe you know, moniker, and um, you know, Mike Gervais, who's a friend of mine, who mm -hmm. he he says I hate the word. He hates the word mm -hmm. hacking because it implies shortcut. And I, you know, one there is no, I haven't found a shortcut. Maybe there are shortcuts out sure. there, but I have yet to find one. All the only thing I think there is is there's biology, right? Mm -hmm. We are we're biological creatures. We work a certain way. You can either be you can fight your biology or you can be in alignment with your biology. And that to me, a lot of what we're actually talking about when we use the term hack is, hey, there's some neuroscience here. There's some biology here. This is how the system works, you know, in a, in a broad way. And if and you understand how the system works, then you may be able to see a path you can see you, a, you can uh, see a path uh, but you should to access it and, and you should just and not assume maybe. right your path is anybody else's path yes here's where i would really enjoy the term hacking is if people um if you take it back down to the computer science model where i am hacking code in order to hack code you have to actually understand the foundation of code mm -hmm. as a language people ignore that part of the education. Therefore, the shortcut doesn't really exist, right? So the language is the foundation that I think is missing, which you need an education, you need to be well-informed. Now we can talk about which paths get you to what you're talking about. And, and yeah, you're right, well, it's that's not why, a shortcut. And by the way, that's why we're seeing, like when I gave you those numbers, are they the 70% boost in flow? Yeah. All we're doing, right, is saying, hey, wait a minute. Like, 
let's give you a little bit of information mm -hmm. and you know this is how the system works this is how you produce this neurochemical this is how you produce this neurochemical these are the combinations that we think produce flow mm -hmm. you know and but also deconstruct this idea that there's a barrier to it that you have to go through this in you know yeah. in, in incredible sense that you know high risk you know per, you know physical deprivation or whatever to achieve that i mean yes those might be the pathways it might be your like you know walking around in your bathing suit in iceland um, that, you know, if I had been in Iceland at the time and, you know, I saw it, I'm like, wow. That was just marketing, was, by the way. I mean, yeah. she wants to talk about it yeah. as a spiritual experience. She was actually working for the tourism board in Iceland. In Iceland, <laughs> she was getting and, paid and, and you're a running, lot of money for that. Are you, are you running retreats in the Western Fjords next year? No, I'm not. But of okay. course, you can only have that higher experience in Iceland. Yeah, you can't just go outside anywhere it's cold. It's a special sort of you have to go mystical to Iceland, cold. Right, yeah, because yeah, Vikings and, you know, whatever. Well, right? gonna, yeah. Wherever they burn anyway. churches, yeah, it can happen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this... But but I think a, a, a lot of the um, th this idea of you know what puts the shaman in between the seeker and what is being sought is this idea of like oh well I I'm the gatekeeper I have and you can't get to flow without coming without having this experience or ha going without going through this type of type of thing and it seems like what you are doing with your project it puts Stephen the is, lotion in the basket it puts the butter in the coffee <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. It puts uh, the butter in the coffee. In fact, I would fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody just needs to start snapping wild horses. Exactly. <laughs> fuck. Man, I, there's been some, there's, you know, a little, like a little cross-dressing on the weekend. I caught the pop culture reference. I mean, well, I know who said that's that. Exactly what movie. That's this is impressive. We're going to set up the website, Ketogenic Superhero, and on there, it's just going to say it puts the butter in the coffee before it gets the hose again. And then maybe some lightning bolts. And, <laughs> <laughs> some kind of graphics. And then if you hit the hidden link, you'll be able to, you know, access some, like... And, and, and Dave, if you're listening, I have moved from uh, from New Mexico. I no longer live there, so you can't find me there <laughs> anymore <laughs> with your shock machine. And, uh, and fuck that. I would, I would like to nothing better than to sit in a room with that motherfucker and talk about yeah. the disservice that he's done. I have a podcast scheduled with him uh, oh, nice. in a few months. I like him. <laughs> Excellent. What do you want me to tell uh, him? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I, I mean, there's. It, it's just like it's just like this. Like I, I'm having my, you know, a little bit, of my mind a little bit altered because when I first heard about the book, The Rise of Superman, <laughs> and it came out, I just all I did was hear the title. And a little brief oh, thing about so it. Oh, so I was like, I, like, you were, fuck that motherfucker. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was the enemy. Yeah. Not, not necessarily the enemy. I was just like, ah, oh, another fucking huckster, you know. Perpetuator. Um, you know, so, so, but, but, and somebody explaining something that doesn't need to be explained because to me it seems utterly redundant because I've been living it since I was eight. Like, like the, this, it, or some shit. That was ego talking. Mm. And I don't have any. No, anymore, I mean, it, right? I've yeah. lost it because yeah, of exactly. all the microdosing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then to start, um, you know, doing some more. Than no, by the way, I think your I think your ego. If you lift up your Gucci coffee cup, it's yeah. right under there. Yeah, yeah. You find it. I like to hide it under there. Um, let me move my ten thousand dollar camera and find my non ego. No, this one is eleven. It's eleven. <laughs> yeah, baby, would you like to get behind the gateless gate? Ooh. So, <laughs> so what is your take on Rise of Superman now? Uh, he hasn't read it. Let's <laughs> no, be clear. I, I, no, I haven't actually because and somebody else said start with stealing fire and work backwards. Yeah. Oh, because the, the because the other book and the the one I wanted to read first was you know about dogs because 
Because dogs. Well, because, because, because dogs. Because dogs. Yeah. Because dogs. Um, right. And then, no explanation. And then I thought, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's a different. There's podcast. a lot. Well, there's a lot of flow stuff in there too. Cool. Oh, really? Yeah. The so the evolution. The where do we think flow came from? Um, it's pretty clear that you know we're the only species that runs down our prey, right? Like we're long, mm. we're built for long yeah, distance. Yeah. So it was, it's pretty clear, though this might be a just show so Wait, story. We're, we're not built for short duration, high intensity. <laughs> <laughs> Where flow came from was the invention of the universe. Let's back up yeah. a little bit if, now. Go if you, you go big bang and then to you bake go. an apple pie from scratch. Yeah. first you must right. Um, in, in, know that there's the, apples. Right. <laughs> well, first you must invent the universe. Right. Oh. it's Carl Sagan. It's his, it was the, it was in the Matrix. Okay. If you want to bake an apple pie from scratch you first you must invent the universe um but uh no it, it's pretty clear that you know if you got a little pain reliever a little anandamide or endorphins which yeah. right you're going to catch more prey you're going to get more food right that's an evolutionary mm. stressor but one of the interesting things um is we forty thousand years ago which was the sort of everybody's got their own pet theory on the great leap forward sure. right and depends on what you study so i study flow so of course the great leap forward was caused by flow but here's my version of that story um, is that if you're hunting big prey, which is what we did, we teamed up with wolves to hunt buffalo or whatever, and this is an era before antibiotics, before anything. If you trip and get a scratch and it's gangrene, you're done. You're over. Yeah. It's not like so. We're bringing you feed, down. You enter the food chain. You enter the food chain, and we're yeah. bringing down big game, very dangerous thing. Um, with very, you can't really get injured, right? You mm. like you really can't get injured at this point. And if you've ever run with a pack of dogs, which is something I do almost daily, mm -hmm. you will trip all over each other. But once you drop into flow, and I'll talk about how do we know dogs can get into flow in a second, um, every because it's massively heightened pattern recognition, mm -hmm. more dopamine, more norepinephrine, you're going to see patterns. You don't yes. trip over each other, and you need and you can communicate non-verbally very very quickly. So the very mm -hmm. thing we needed to hunt large game to produce that is flow so there's there seems to be we teamed up with dogs we got into flow states with dogs to hunt with them because it's high-speed nonverbal communication it's the yes. same reason we're working with the navy seals what do they want out of a group flow experience mm -hmm. high-speed nonverbal communicate right same thing which is ultimately for us like in in, in the, the best situations in the mountains what exactly what happened exactly what is happens. i put my hand out the piece of gear i need is put is, into my hand by my partner yeah. without at, at the right without, without, without yeah without and, thinking and, about it but for hours yes. and, and days at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you were ta you were talk speaking earlier about sort of like, okay, my, my ability to focus lasts like sort of 20 minutes. And if I go beyond that, I get exhausted. Mm. Oftentimes what would happen in the mountains would like have this experience. It would last, we'd go, I mean, our, our whole practice was to um, ultimately to, to, to strip away time and mm -hmm. the need to sleep. So it started mm. by doing things for 24 hours nonstop and then it progressed to 43 hours and then eventually um, the... The, my retirement gift or the thing that caused retirement was uh, 63 hours nonstop in the mountains. And, um, but, but each time, each, each of the, in the steps in this progression, they, the, the exha exhaustion would be so great that there was no, that I'd have three months of absolute hedonism afterwards mm -hmm. to recover my desire to go back to the mountains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because of the, the ultimate exhaustion that, that, um, being in a flow state for too long maybe is the well it's the, i mean the, the, even you know what triggered that or whatever. even on a smaller level right like and we don't so i mean it's weird because most flow states neurochemically they should last about an hour and a half but mm -hmm. some of the 
chemicals that we're not 100% certain on, like when they show up in the chain and how long they last, the endorphins uh, and, and serotonin and even oxytocin for group flow. Um, for example, there's a uh, altruism-based uh, flow state known as Helper's High. It was discovered by Alan Lukes, who founded Big Brothers Big Sisters back in the 90s. And one of the things that's weird about Helper's High, and this is actually in Small Furry Prayer about dogs, okay. so was the thing I just told you. Um, is it lasts like two days. It's like a two-day flow state triggered by altruism. And we can't, like, why is an altruism-triggered flow state two days long when an action sports-triggered one is an hour and a half? Like, that's an unanswered question. You know, there's Evolutionary biology is, is my, my answer. Right. Like the actions because like the, science. Because, <laughs> because action sports is hunting, essentially. Right. right. And, uh, and, 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 and so it's necessarily going to be a short sort of thing it can't it can't be it can't last two days whereas helping my group improving not you know the the, the social conditions in my group and you know may mm-hmm. you know may have may, your, may have become a practice no, that, that actually point. Yeah, sort of perpetuated it, it, it makes sense and it may i mean you know some of them may just literally come down to oxytocin okay right which you'll get in a group you don't necessarily there are certain people who want to say oxytocin shows up in every flow state i've never seen one inch of data. I don't think anybody's even run the experiment. I think they're just okay. talking out of their ass. Um, but um, it does seem like that chemical, which shows up, you know, for during altruism, can last a long time. Um, is more sustainable than some of the other neural. Co- Who knows? Interesting. Mm. That's crazy. All right. Are, are we we got, got, I know. I was just going to say. We got there's, it. There's the clock. You need to go skiing. We need we to go just, skiing. We just hit ninety minutes. Yeah. And um, and and I would I would. Ketogenic superheroes, people. <laughs> Ketogenic superheroes. It, it puts the butter in it, the coffee. It, it, TM. <laughs> and then it puts uh, the coffee somewhere else that you'll end up in a, a bathtub. In a bathtub in Los Angeles. <laughs> a bathtub in Los Angeles, wondering where my life has gone. <laughs> and what, actually, you, you just look. It's going down that drain right See? there. Thank God there's See? a drain hole. I, I think this has been a, a very good start into something that I'd like to expand into like have you come back at some point because this is a uh, no i just got I, I now have another reason to come back to salt lake <laughs> this is too much <laughs> fucking fun and, um pedal all your shit or where people can find you because we don't fucking care but other and people we don't have want. show notes and we don't yeah. do anything like that so kristen you got a book it's about um it's not, called fear it's, called, it's the art of fear so i've been operating as a mindset sports coach for the last 15 years don't give us the canned response god damn it tell okay. us about your book All right, my book, though, is ultimately about the repression of fear and how that's fucking us all up, and it's just not working. That's the best pitch ever right there. (laughs) (laughs) And how to make friends with fear, and then the last chapter ties into what we've been talking about today, which is um, kind of tapping into fear and being in flow with fear, taking you into higher states of consciousness, which for me as an athlete, you know, extreme sports are notorious for taking people into the zone or that place that we're all searching for. And the reason why is because not only are extreme athletes kind of more willing to feel fear than most, but they actually kind of merge with the fear, become intimate with the fear, and the fear is the very thing that takes a, takes them there. So like obstacle course racing is not extreme <laughs> athleticism, right? Oh, uh, well, it well I'm not going to knock are. that. That's right? true. It depends where you're it starting from. the obstacle. Out the of the cubicle, that place obstacle. is extreme. Right. 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 Okay, it, it, her the, name was Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line... And she taught me a lot. <laughs> The bottom line is we don't do these sports despite the fear. We do them because of the fear. She's right about that. And then when you merge with a fear, where that takes you. Like the skiing, I realized, didn't matter to me. It's the places that it took me emotionally, mentally. That's what I was addicted to. Which is what allowed you to quit cold turkey. 
also. <laughs> yeah. As you realized in, in well, one I, epiphany that the means became irrelevant. It, it, it's right. You're right. The, the means became irrelevant, and I was risking my life to get there, and I realized I was going to die if I kept this up. Right. I was really lucky to be alive, and so there are other yeah, options. Trust me. As somebody who knew her back then, she is really lucky to be alive. <laughs> Most of the people we knew are not alive anymore. Yeah. yeah, I was voted one of the top ten um, skiers in the world most likely to die by skiing. That's cool. That's not even a yearbook. Thing. And that made and that's me a bad, so. Yeah, I was like, "That's a I bad was so proud. Like, die. <laughs> I was number three on the list too, and that was who written was in a magazine. My mother two? read it. One and two. Who was one um, and two? Uh, Rick Armstrong Sick and um, Aaron, also Aaron McGovern. still alive. Yeah, I mean, and, I got voted as best dressed, but I think that one takes. Wait, the cake. so who was <laughs> number two? Not as sexy. Aaron McGovern. Aaron McGovern, who's also still alive. Who's also still alive? See, so there, there was a time um, when we knew each other that I actually believed that your ambition outstripped your ability, and you have proven me wrong. Oh. Wow. Them be fighting words. No, those are just observations. That's like... That's no, it's like, like a 30-year compliment. Yeah. yeah. I, li <laughs> I live for proving people wrong. I'll show Spite. you is yeah. like my favorite phrase. <laughs> so I haven't started a business that hasn't been started out of spite. Like... It, it just that's how it goes yeah no fuck and, you is a great reason to make money i agree yeah <laughs> yeah I agree. exactly and, keep, and, and speaking of ketogenic superheroes yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can are, find me at stephencotler.com what you should really do is go out and buy stealing fire and paperback because it comes out on may 8th and my publisher would be really happy if it ended up on the bestseller list and it'll be good for my wallet as well Outstanding. So it's and the so, anti-marketing marketing, right? Yeah, you just yeah, tell yeah. the truth. Yeah. Yes. Right, I'm just telling yeah. the truth. All right. The Art of Fear is coming out in paperback in June. Ditto. Nice. Yeah. So you should buy Stealing Fire and The Art of Fear. It will absolutely, it's going to change your life. You're going to be radically different people tomorrow. In fact, the act of just buying the book. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to read it's it. It's an act of the rebellion. Act of buying the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, help me here, guys. I need That's a more positive affirmation. Positive yeah. affirmation. Um, you will become Dave Asprey. <laughs> If if you actually if you buy books, <laughs> we're just setting you up. Hey for now, a, yeah, hey I just now. want to set you up ultimately for a really good no, experience. But if you buy books, books will keep being printed. Yeah, true. He's yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He's right about that. That's the the main reason to buy books is that they will keep making them. Exactly, and <laughs> and and then we'll hawk our product. It'll be like yeah, yeah. issue number two of Rays <laughs> is going to. Well, by the time this podcast gets released, uh, it's too late. It will have it's sold out. Sorry, you can't have it. It was yeah. it was it, cool. There was a great was essay on sold. fear in there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to wait for issue number three if you that, This it. has been absolutely um, a very fun time for me. So thank you guys this both is super for coming fun. in. Thank, thank you. you. Me too. Thank you, Kristen, for um, facilitating if that's brokering. Brokering, <laughs> yeah. Pro and, procuring and, our guests. And now she sold me into slavery. Come on, get that's, the, let's be honest here. What, I, I didn't what tell really him, happened? I didn't tell him no, anything about this. this. We, we we hand out the money after the show's <laughs> over. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. what's yeah. a what's a ticket to Snowbird cost these days? Seventy five bucks? No, more than that. For, oh yeah. Dude. Yeah, that's, half that's day. for local. Oh, that's no, no. half day. But you can pay, have you no can pay me in microdosis. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I think that's more expensive these days. <laughs> um, Kristen, you're going to come back sometime one on one next week. Yeah. Yes, to talk about fear. Excellent. And uh, Stephen, go get the fuck out of here. Go skiing. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you. <laughs>